Hi Trolls, welcome to the Meta 101 podcast and uh, for the audience out there, I guess they'll be wondering what you do, who, how we know each other and everything. But just to quickly give you an introduction, um, the best way I can think about it is to say that, you know, Trolls, you are now a co-founder of a startup company, which is sort of working to make it easier for children to sort of communicate the amount of pain they feel. And um, this company is based in Norway at the moment uh, in terms of, and there's about four of you guys in this new startup. So uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything else uh, towards you'd want to say besides uh, studying engineering with me uh, in Nottingham uh, before you went to do your master's in engineering again in Norway and then now you're at uh, sort of like the, is it the Norwegian School of Technology, but just the sort of like the business part of it right now? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so first of all, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, I'm super excited to be here. Uh, yeah, so I mean, everything you said there was uh, was correct. Um, I'm currently going, it's called the, uh, I guess in English, it's the uh, Norwegian University of Science and Technology. And it's up in, uh, in Trondheim. And I think it's, uh, I think it's kind of like the, uh, at least, you know, one of the biggest universities in Norway, and it's definitely like the biggest kind of technical university in Norway. Nice. So uh, the university has a lot of focus, you know, there's a lot of engineering, engineering degrees and technical degrees and obviously very like heavy science uh, based university. No, that's good. And uh, yeah. from what I gather from what you're saying, you guys have started this startup. Are you backed by the university or is it something you're doing entirely um, on your own? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's a good question. I think uh, it's it's a little bit difficult to, to put it in sort of one category. So basically what it is, I'm, I'm doing a two-year master's program now where they take in students from like all sorts of different disciplines. Uh, and so I think they try to, they try to kind of take in sort of one third engineers, one third sort of, you know, more business and finance uh, background, and then one third kind of, um, you know, science related background. So, uh, you know, and that, that's obviously that's quite broad. So that could be if you've just studied like biology, or for example, in our class, uh, we have quite, a f we have two nurses who I'm currently in a startup with. Uh, and so I think they've kind of fallen into that category, right? True. And then what they do is uh, they take in, so like a third from each, and then it's a two-year program and it's called, it's like a master's in entrepreneurship uh, with that. And then with a special focus on your kind of background, right? So mine is obviously within then biomedical engineering, uh, like we studied in England. And then, uh, and then what you do is parallel and sort of integrated into this program is all of the students um, either have to join or create a startup uh, either with people from the class or, you know, some people work with external um, external co-founders, so to say, or maybe right. they join an early stage startup. So, and then, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry to cut you. I just want you, so when you say that you guys work with external guys, does it mean they also then sort of like help you venture out of out of this? Or, or, how, or what role is that external support um, playing in terms of... Uh, you know, what you guys are working on and starting and uh, the university and everything. So how does that all come together? Uh, yeah, so uh, um, so basically when I say external, I mean yeah. um, 
it could it could for example be I guess I, I can't really go into like way too much uh, detail of about course. other people's startups, obviously, but but yes. it could, for example, be that um, that uh, like like for our startup, if we need like if we realize that oh man, we we could really use a a really good programmer, then we get like an external programmer to come and join us, right? Or yes. maybe or maybe uh, or another example is obviously uh, there's potentially like a researcher who has you know discovered something, patented something, come up with a really good idea. But isn't that you know isn't very uh, good uh, or isn't very knowledgeable within commercialization or business uh, you know uh, or finance, and then you know you can maybe so but then what you could do is your role would be commercializing their technology, um, you know so that's what I mean like you could like so I know some people have taken external ideas so it's not their yes. own idea, yeah. and then they try to commercialize that makes sense because you know sometimes mm. they say there's no need to reinvent the wheel. So, yeah, and yeah. I think that's a miscommon conception or it's a misconception that happens a lot. That's quite common that people think that for you to start a company, you need to go out there and you have to start something that's brand new. You don't have to always do that. You can pick up an, an existing idea and then sort of polish it up, change a few things, maybe sort of like tailor it to the market you're targeting and then yeah and then you can make a successful business from that but uh i'm i'm really happy to to hear that and uh, i guess this is quite different from engineering school uh would you say uh, the support you get you're getting uh and is and how is it changing your perspective from you know like uh, the default engineering uh point of view to now thinking more commercially and you know being mm-hmm. business savvy uh, as people like to call it yeah, 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 no, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a great uh, topic and a great discussion that we could have within that. And uh, yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely quite different. Um, and uh, you can see that uh, not not only within engineering, but I guess within like you know medical sciences and like heavy research in general. Um, and I guess that's one of the biggest things is you know a lot of research uh, that's done by you know very very capable and intelligent professors never gets out into the world. Because <laughs> they don't know how to commercialize it, you know what I mean. Makes sense. And so it, it just kind of ends up in some paper somewhere, and they, you know, they they publish it somewhere, and then they move on to the next, uh, you know, move <laughs> on to the next uh, project, so to say. And so I think there's there's huge, huge, huge potential nice. within the commercialization of of uh, of like you know publicly funded research and i know that's something that people do uh, you know or or like that's something that is available or possible at least is you know you like let's say in norway at least the university owns the rights to the patent if like a researcher uh, you know (laughs) patents something yeah Uh, but then but then what you can do is you know you can obviously license you can get a license for that patent and you know you have to come to some sort of agreement with the university and then you know you can try to commercialize it. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. And you can license it out to the companies, and you get mm-hmm. sort of like royalties for every amount they sell and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, that's, yeah. That's, And that's the same here as well. Uh, and I think that's why some people tend to avoid the really good universities, uh, especially from a research point of view. If you're doing, if you're very entrepreneurial as a lecturer or as a professor, because I was having a conversation one of the professors in the university and you're saying that you know uh, the higher the university the more the they take in terms of the stake or, or in terms of the mm-hmm. ownership of whatever you create so it's something people tend to want to juggle you know and that's why some brilliant people might feel comfortable either leaving the university entirely or 
taking a safer route of working sort of like in a medium ranked university. So therefore you still have a, a huge chunk of your own um, IP to own. So no, that's good. And um, just quickly, just rewinding back uh, for the audience out there, um, just to discuss as to how we met. Obviously, I think I've known you for about uh, almost six years now. So it's quite yeah. a, 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 lo- a, a long time. And uh, mm. time has flown by. I uh, We finished we finish university together. But also whilst we in university, we stayed uh, together with flatmates in second year, which is quite mm-hmm. nice. Uh, and uh, first year, we, we were friends. We used to just take the bus back uh and uh, and I think I have to say it out there for everyone, you know, just to just to let them know as well that uh, you know I appreciate uh, how much you you helped me during the coup uh, that happened in Zimbabwe, and all my money yeah, was yeah. frozen overnight. Mm. So it was it was a rough um, set. I'll say six to eight weeks when I didn't have access to any of my money because it, overnight all the banks just closed, you know. Mm. Ex- they were closed all international um, transactions because they were worried that everyone was just going to pull the money out of the country. So, and I uh, remember I had to ask you to I had to borrow some money from you for a little bit to to pay for some food. Uh, so I I really appreciate that, and um, you know it's good to see uh, you now working on this startup in Matech. And I know it's some it's a field that's not uh, uh, filled with many people. Many people don't really. Uh, think of it because i think it's quite an emerging field you know it's not as established as other types of tech uh suppose it's, it's before it used to be a blend of many things and stuff like that so um so yeah um but it's nice to see you know you starting a uh working this startup to help children map their pain and everything which is quite a crucial thing because um pain is a very complicated thing even for adults so mm. So yeah, um, then this just basically the history of how we've uh, met and how we how we know each other. But now, going into I guess the meat of this podcast is the company you guys are starting, Fendi. Uh, so it's is it a Norwegian name or is it an English name? What what exactly? How did you guys come up with the name Fendi? So our team consists of uh, four people currently, two of which yes. uh, have a background within nursing. Uh, so, you know, like a bachelor's of nursing and they've worked as nurses uh, for a bit. Uh, yeah. One of uh, one of whom has a back or and then the, the third person has a background within informatics and spe- uh, specifically like UX design or UI design and sort nice. of, you know, a little bit more like design thinking and human interaction and things like that. And then there's uh, m- myself, you know, with a background within biomedical engineering and um and molecular medicine and then all four of us now are taking this same master's degree within uh, entrepreneurship and sort of business and uh, you know business and innovation um and so really the idea came about from these two nurses who uh you know have obviously worked a little bit as nurses or they have like um uh, what do you want to call it uh, like practical work you know what i mean like an internship yeah. Or, or yeah as as nurses or placements, I guess you could call it. Um, yeah. And then they were also taking a course, like sort of an entrepreneurial course, uh, where you kind of a little bit like you know how we had Grand Challenge, right? So where you yes. you kind of that you have to come up with an idea or some sort of you know or a challenge or a problem within some sort of industry, and yeah. then kind of you know come up. And then I think within this course they had to come up with a business plan. They had to come up with a solution. And then they had to like pitch this, right? Yeah. 
And so that's kind of where they came up with this problem of, uh, of mapping pain because they had obviously worked as nurses and realized that uh, it's pretty difficult to map pain even in adults. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, today in Norway, and I think, uh, I think all over the world, really, you kind of, you get like a scale, you know, that, that the nurses will hold up in front of you uh, yes. or whoever's mapping the pain. And, you know, it's from like a zero to 10 scale. And they kind of ask you like, yeah, how much pain are you in right now? Yeah, <laughs> and pain, pain is obviously a very subjective thing, right? It's based on experiences. So somebody who has maybe been through a lot of pain, they, you know, might say three to something pretty serious, or it could be serious. Whereas somebody exactly. who's never experienced pain, maybe you know, this is the most painful thing they've ever endured, so they'd say a ten. Um, so and obviously, this is one of the gets, things you. Yeah. Sorry, uh, it's because it's just an interesting point you mentioned there. So, mm. and I don't want to cut you, but because I don't want to block your your flow of thought. But it's just exciting what you said right there. Working with this uh, information that's uh, sort of um, uh, subjective, and you guys are create working on this algorithm to try to make it more standardized amongst children. So, so that's interesting. Uh, and yeah, okay. Mm. I'll let you continue. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and so and so then and so they that's where they came up with kind of this this idea, this problem, and then you know they they worked on it a little bit, um, and you know they they went and visited like uh, one of the bigger hospitals here in Norway, and you know they spoke to children and worked with some children, and then they and then they went on to this master's program, and that's kind of where obviously we met each other, and. Um, uh, yeah, so that's like where we met we, each other. And then obviously, or, or not obviously, but uh, in the first uh, semester, so the first half year of this master's program, uh, we have this subject where basically you do six kind of feasibility studies nice. uh, in randomized groups. Um, and so, you know, so you get to work with a lot of different people. And the idea here is that you create a, like a, a big pool. So I think, you know, maybe there's there's like seven groups and six studies. So, you know, 42 so there's like four a pool of like 42 ideas is wow. what is the idea right yeah and then uh ideally i suppose if you've done a good job the <laughs> your startup your startup is kind of supposed to be able to pull some ideas from there and then you know you go on and you become a startup you find who you want to work with and uh, and take an idea from there obviously you know it doesn't have to be an idea from there but that's all that's why we do that in the subject um and so obviously, yeah, so this is where I met them, uh, you know, on that program uh, and and where we met our fourth member. Uh, and, you know, we obviously all have a, have a, we all have a, you know, a really, a really keen interest within med tech and within medicine and health and helping people. And so that's kind of where we forged, uh, you know, like a friendship and, and, and decided that, you know, we wanted to uh, enter some sort of a venture together. Nice. And, uh, and, uh. And then, uh, yeah, and so that's kind of where like the whole idea came from was, you know, from their practical experiences. And then now we've all gone together. And uh, so long story short into where the name comes from, uh, that's based, that's something that they had, uh, that's something that they actually had before I joined the team, so yeah. to say, or before I joined the, uh, the venture if you're, or the project. And, nice. uh, but what it means is, uh, so Vende, in, uh, so in a Norwegian Ven, Yes. means friend and then d like di is kind of like digital right so the whole nice. idea here is that it's it's your it's a digital friend for the children to nice. help them express uh, express their pain no, i'm really happy to hear that and uh, you know since you've said this rose it makes me think of 
how you guys are going to be sort of cooperating different skill sets there on this team and uh, mm-hmm. do you, do you want to talk about more of as to what your role is on this team and the process of finding in people's roles because i think there's many people out there listening to this and they'll be thinking okay i also want to start a startup i've got a bunch of friends but then how do you go about choosing the roles how do you pick on each other's strengths like how do you find that and say okay this guy will be better as ceo this guy will be better handling the finances how do you want to give us a quick uh, secret on how you ended up with your role because i'm sure that i haven't seen a book out there written on this so it's one of those things you don't learn at school mm. yeah so i mean i'm i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and pretend that i'm an expert you know i'm sure uh, people will disagree with what i'm about to say or you know people have different opinions yes but uh, at least in my opinion because uh, i think what a lot of people will do is you know they'll sit down together and maybe they'll be like oh, okay but but you studied uh programming so you should be the CTO, you know, or you should be the technical person. Yes. You studied uh, business, so you should be the like the CEO, or you know, you studied economics, so you should be the the CFO, right? But I, I don't necessarily think that that's the right way to uh, to approach this whole thing. Yes. Uh, in my opinion, at least, what you should do is you should sit down and you should list out your interests and list out all of the different tasks that that the that you know the company or the startup or whatever needs done. So you know, list out every single different task, social media, um, you know, does it building a website, building a product, the different steps within building a product, meeting, uh, you know, meeting potential customers, uh, yes. finding capital, uh, you know, di- writing applications to different uh, pitching competitions, all of these different things. And then, uh, I mean, to be honest, in the very beginning, if you're like a very early stage startup, I'm not sure it's really necessary to put labels on it, you know, like... <laughs> you know like there is just kind of you could just split it up into the different areas of responsibility you know what i mean but above all i think the most important thing is um to find your roles based on what motivates you the most nice right so even if you have a background within programming yeah that doesn't necessarily mean that you want to be the one sitting there <laughs> and and writing code the entire day you know what i mean sense. like Maybe yeah, yeah. maybe you want to be out there with the with the customer and working with the customer actively and you know maybe more kind of like working, yeah you know like in user testing and things like that. True. And then I think for the, like you know the longevity of a project, I think it's much more likely and much more useful to have yeah. that person than working directly where they want to. And so oh. that's kind of the approach that we took. Nice. Um, so it's more so, you know, natural. We sat down, uh, yeah. 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 So we sat down. So, you know, we sat down and everybody listed what it is they're interested in. We listed, you know, all of the areas that need addressing. And then we kind of delegated from there. You know what I mean? And we had a very open discussion. It wasn't, and nobody was like, I want this role. I want that role. <laughs> but, you know, we weren't so focused on like labels. Yeah. Um, but I guess what, what it came down to was, so we're four people and, yeah. uh, you know, so we're de- developing this like digital solution, you know, now to pay to map pain in children. Yeah. And so the roles that we came to were kind of like, a, you know, I think it's a little bit silly to sit here when you're four people and, you know, talk about C-level uh, <laughs> roles kind of, but just for the sake of simplicity, I guess. So we came to kind of like a, a CEO nice. uh, to have like a CPO. So like in charge of the product and kind True. of, I guess, like the tech a little bit as well. Yeah. And then as like a, uh, a CMO, so like uh, 
you know, looking at the market, looking at the customer and user testing and things like that. Nice. And then like a CCO, so like the commercialization. So kind of like the branding of the brand, our, our branding, seeing so you know, like our website, our social media, yeah. working with, uh, you know, looking at like investors and trends in the market and things like that. True. And, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's, it's interesting you say that because I was actually surprised when I was doing research for this uh, podcast and, you know, looking at the information that you guys have, you know, been presenting in terms of talking about the business opportunity that comes from this uh, platform or app or digital asset or product or platform, depending on what, how you want to talk about it, that you guys are building. And you said about 20% of children in school are experiencing some sort of like chronic pain. So that's obviously a huge population out there. And uh, specifically, you you guys have been uh, targeting or sort of like your market, your market is children between the ages of uh, five and 13. So I guess taking this approach where everyone is just doing hands-on and, you know, you're just working together to get the job done, essentially, uh, without taking much roles mm-hmm. and the different experiences you have, you would more of like, you know, the engineering background and maybe the things you're comfortable with and the nurses as well with the experience that they have uh, because as much as we would want that you know the also that experience also gives you a better understanding of exactly what problem you you you're working to solve um would would you be able to just be able to describe what the app looks like i mean um is it available now on online do you guys have a um like a sort of like a prototype where you guys in how far are you guys at the minute uh yeah yeah so uh so we don't have anything available right now uh okay. like publicly um, yes what we are doing is we're, we're currently working on our prototype or like our mvp uh and we're working with that towards like a goal of uh, we're uh, beginning a pilot project at nice. one of the bigger or biggest hospitals in Norway, uh, you know, where we're studying. Uh, and we're hoping to have all of that in place for um, September. So like early September wow. is when we want to begin user testing at the hospital. Um, so obviously we have a pretty, uh, you know, hectic time ahead of us now to create yeah. this, uh, to create this prototype. Sure. Um, but, but I, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what this app or what our solution is going to do specifically, um, is so basically, you know, and it's like you said, we're not, we're not reinventing the wheel or anything here. Right. Yeah. So what we're doing <laughs> is we're kind of trying to, we're kind of trying to digitalize the solutions that are out there, right. The solutions that they use today are very analog, like a yeah. scale zero to 10, some have like face indications, you know, where you can see it looks, you know, the face looks sad and then less sad and happy, you know, and yeah. <laughs> so it's and so visual. what we're trying to do is, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what, so what we're trying to do is create, uh, create like a visual as, you know, stepwise app kind of. So where ki- children can go in, yes. um, they can create like a personalized avatar, right. You know, like, uh, like you can do in lots of different games, kind of like you can do on like Snapchat with like the uh, emoji uh, on Snapchat. Uh, or like yeah the avatar on snapchat so children can create their own one that you know they feel sort of like hopefully they'll they'll feel like a connection to you know what i mean they'll feel like nice. they an ownership over that and then put that avatar through different scenarios and different steps where they can then localize their pain they can uh, you know uh, identify the intensity of their pain so how much pain they're in you know and that'll obviously 
uh, we have so there uh, in terms of this user testing, we're going to be testing a few different solutions, right? Because we don't know yet what the best way to do that is, and then also what type of pain it is. So nice. if it's a burning sensation, sure. if it's yeah. a prickling sensation, if it's like a stabbing, if it's a you know uh, yeah, if it's a yeah, so the different types of pain, and then also we want to include different mental factors, right? Because a nice. lot of children, when you're when you're in pain and you're uh, or you know maybe for the first time or at least you know you're inexperienced uh, with, with with regards to pain uh, a lot of children feel very scared they'll feel anxious uh you know they yeah. feel unsure they don't know what's happening there's I, a lot of fear i mean even the discomfort is quite a lot i was trying to think mm-hmm. of my time as or my memories as a kid when i was just in pain sometimes you just in bed all day and you know it's even worse when you can't articulate the pain because you're too young you've not had a lot of ex- experience sort of like life experience to compare the pain to you know because right now it's not that you can just say it feels like a light headache because we've had headaches you know for the last 20 years or mm-hmm. something like that but as a kid you're still discovering the world essentially so and and i like the approach that you guys are doing of using avatars because eventually that's the world we're going into now with the uh, you know virtual reality and the generation coming up right now They'll be more comfortable with avatars, you know, being being able to link to the internet because that's where the technology is going right now, right? So we we living in a world where you can sort of start to personalize your life with the existing technology. So uh, I don't know if that's Web three point or Web four point I'm not sure anymore, but it's it's according mm-hmm. to that, and that's what it, exactly this product will do. And for the avatars, just a quick question for the avatars. Um, are you guys planning to make them as realistic as possible? Um, are you, will this information be also shared with like parents, doctors in terms of how, how are you guys going to navigate that sort of challenge with, you know, the, from a technical point of view, what, what challenges are you planning to overcome? Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, no, I mean, in terms of like the realism of the avatars, that's why we've chosen like a specific age uh, segment, right? Like five nice. to thirteen, yeah. and even and even within that, you know, there's a lot of different maturity levels, right? So a thirteen-year-old is much more mature uh, than a five-year-old, and even yes. two two different thirteen-year-olds can be there can be a huge difference in their maturity level as well. Yeah. Um, and so obviously, you know, that's one of the things that we also have to kind of, that we have to work out a little bit is the art style, you know, what, yes. what resonates most with children. We might have to have several art styles, you know what I mean? Nice. Um, and then in terms of like the regulatory and sort of in terms of, uh, or in terms of who gets this access to this information, yes. uh, to begin with, uh, at least during the pilot project, it'll be the doctors yeah. and the nurses, right. Who can look at this information. And then Makes the sense. idea is that they can use this, they can use this to help with hopefully with diagnosis, right. Like, or help to understand the child's pain more. Nice. Uh, and they can also help use it, um, potentially for like long-term tracking, right. To like help adjust treatments. Like, you know, uh, obviously it's very difficult even for myself or adults and, you know, even more so than children is <laughs> yeah. after m- maybe you've been to the hospital and then, you know, you're supposed to kind of, you know, journal your pain for two weeks or whatever. And then, you, you know, you go home, you come back <laughs> after two weeks and the doctor's like, yeah, so how's it been? I yeah. mean, it's very hard to say what I was feeling 10 days ago on, uh, you know, on a Sunday or whatever, you know, like, uh, yeah. Exactly. So being able to use this to track long-term pain as well. 
Nice, nice. Uh, and that's mm. that's true what you say because uh, usually what people do as adults is you tend to measure your pain with uh, um, how mobile you are. So, uh, you know, if you had a pain on your knee, for instance, and you couldn't really walk and you were limping everywhere, you tend to just say, okay, the pain is gone because now you're no longer limping because isn't it pain is also quite linked to that uh, sort of like evolutionary biology where it's a mechanism for the body to protect itself. So mm. um, you you have this pain around a certain area that's been, you know, harmed or, you know, that's had a bit of like a traumatic uh, impact there or whatever so that you don't have to move it so much so that the body can sort of focus on repairing that part. And I think then that's how I, that's how at least how I measure pain. I think that's how most people measure pain, but for kids it's, it's a lot harder. So, and I was looking at the interface on the presentation that you have and stuff. I don't know if, if I'm okay to share that with the audience, uh, the few screenshots that I have from the presentation, or is it still, um, something in development at the minute. Well, I mean, uh, so yeah, everything we have is still in development. And yeah. I think what you have right now is very basic and very conceptual. Uh, yeah. So that's, you know, that's obviously not really at all what the finalized product is going to look like. That's just nice. kind of something that was create, yeah, created definitely. quickly to help. Yeah, I'll, I'll to definitely help, add it to because help, it, to help it adults adds. visualize themselves. Yeah, nice because that that I'll add, yeah. even though you say it's basic, I'm I'm even excited to see what the final product will look like. Because when I looked mm. at this, I was like, you know, this is quite um, sort of like um, descriptive in a way that you know how you try to compare the pain in using different visuals and stuff like that. It's like a bit of a human factors work there, you know, how to link certain things. So I'll definitely add a few screenshots of that, but I do apologize that the screenshots are in Norwegian, unfortunately, but it's okay. People get the point. You just have to focus on the, you know, the interface more than the language is written because that can always be translated. So uh, thanks. And mm. just moving on to the next thing, um, which was the money part. And usually I don't talk about money on this podcast for a re for the simple reason that, uh, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not an accountant. I'm not a finance guy. I'm more technical than anything. So I feel more comfortable talking about the uh, technology. But you, you guys said you're going to be saving uh, quite a lot of money for the hospitals. And going back to the presentation and the stats that you guys did from your market research, you said you'd be saving roughly $68 million Norwegian um, kroner. So how, how, what, okay, to put it more on an international scale in US dollars, how much is that money annually? Yeah, so I mean, right yeah. right now the Norwegian kroner is uh, at a record low, I suppose. But yes. uh, uh, so I think it's, uh, if we, you know, divide it roughly by 10, 12. So, I mean, yeah, so if, if uh, so, you know, if it's like, let's say 60 million kroners, that's around, let's say around 5 million Five million dollars, something like that, and that's in yeah. Norway alone, or yeah. mm -hmm. from your calculations. Yeah, that's, and then when you, yeah, so that's Norway alone. Yeah, nice, nice, and obviously yeah. there's the potential and, 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 to scale up. Yeah, yeah, and obviously what what we've done there is, um, I mean, this isn't entirely accurate, you know, because it's yes. very difficult to measure these sorts of things. But what we've chosen to do is, we've taken kind of an approximation, right? And so mm -hmm. what we've done then is we've looked at with the time that you know, once we, once we, uh, 
finalize our app, make it as efficient as possible, as seamless as possible. The yes. amount of time that um, the healthcare system can save in terms of physically going and mapping children's pain True. Uh, amounts to that amount of money in wages, right? So wow. that's the amount of money that they would save by not having to physically map children's pain. And, you know, uh, therefore opens up time for them to do other tasks more you know maybe not more important tasks obviously this is you know this is extremely important to do but it opens up their time to focus on other tasks while the children then can map their own pain through our solution makes sense and you said um the solution here that you create as well saves the about 15 minutes it takes 15 minutes or not per day in total for a nurse um, to map pain in children, it's quite a lot. It's quite a lot of time when you think that the average shift is probably eight to, well, so I know some nurses work twelve hours shifts, but if we just take the normal standard shift of eight hours, that's that's a huge mm. percent of time saved, which can be used elsewhere. So that's some that's a problem that's definitely there because you're just making people access the same result of getting their pain mm. mapped, but a lot faster. So. Uh, how 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 do you guys uh, how did you guys also come up with that uh, calculation? Did you did you do some surveys? How just for guys out there wanting to start a company and they want to know how to gather this data because this is valuable data. How did you guys go about getting it? Yeah, so so I must admit, like that that particular those particular numbers aren't uh, aren't super accurate uh, right. anymore, uh, so All to right. say. Uh, but basically what we've done or what we've read and obviously two of the members on our team are nurses themselves, right? So they have experience nice. with this. Yeah. And so uh, I think you're supposed to basically, you're supposed to map pain True. around five times per per day, right? So that's not necessarily okay. per nurse, but that's that's through 24 hours, right? Well, uh, so obviously that's probably different multiple shifts. nurses. Makes sense. Yeah, different shifts, right? So, so yeah. those five times that you're supposed to map pain are spread out across different nurses and different shifts. Well. Um, so it adds up <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. But, so, and so then what we've heard obviously from yeah. some, from some, and so basically what we do is we go and we talk to a lot of nurses, we go to the hospital, we sit down, we talk to a lot of nurses, we talk to some doctors, you know, we, that's where we get our information from and our like kind of some of our market validation. And then we sat down and we spoke to them and, you know, how much time do you spend mapping pain? How difficult is it to map pain? And obviously the answers vary a lot like they do any, you know, anywhere, um, nice. you know, and obviously, you know, some children, some children are very talkative and experienced with pain. So they can yeah. answer quickly. Some children, it can be very difficult. You know, some children maybe don't speak, maybe they're nervous. They don't, you know, want to talk to strangers necessarily. <laughs> and so there it can take a little bit more time, but yeah, no. So 10 minutes is, is probably unrealistic. It takes, yeah. it takes less than that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it definitely, you know, definitely with like an app like ours where we, you can kind of automate the entire process, True. Uh, you're, def you're definitely talking about saving time here. Because the idea, the idea here is that the nurses or healthcare personnel or whoever will be able to just kind of hand an iPad to yeah. a child uh, and it'll be so intuitive and, you know, you'll have like an on-screen guide and everything that walks you through every step. Yes. Uh, that the child, maybe along with a parent or whoever's there with them, can just do it all on their own, right? Nice. And uh, you would, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the end goal here is obviously to eliminate the need 
for a healthcare a healthcare personnel to have to physically map the pain at all. Pain. Makes and sense. So and they just you know really... by the time they go into the yeah so by the so, time they go into the patient room then then you have all the data you need basically. Makes sense. And yeah, I was gonna say that's really good because a lot of time is spent in. Uh, sort of like triage as well. I don't know what the healthcare system is like in Norway, but I know here in the UK, uh, people sort of have to wait several hours before, you know, they see a doctor once they get to A&E because the nurses have to sort of, you know, sort of like triage the injury. Is it a broken bone? Is it just a fever? Uh, how much pain you're in? All those things affected into that. So I guess when you are able to, do this digitally or using technology, we can then help refine that process a little bit. You know, it may not overhaul the whole process, but it'll make it a little bit better than its current state. So, so that's really good. And, um, 